one of the main mistakes that corporates make, and we carry this into our self-employed life, mm-hmm. is we value the wrong things about ourselves. So mm-hmm. corporate life teaches you that your time is the most valuable thing about yourself. Therefore, it teaches you to overwork. It teaches you to push through, in inverted commas. It teaches you to push yourself past the point at which it's sustainable. Welcome to the Money Making Women podcast with me, Ray Dodd. I'm a money and business coach who believes that you are absolutely capable of earning life-changing amounts of money. I also believe that doing so is not as straightforward as the internet makes out. If you're looking for a conversation that goes beyond pure manifestation and hustle and into the nuance and intersections of what it means to be a money-making woman, then this is the space for you. Welcome to today's guest, the lovely Jo Hooper. I am so happy to have Jo here today. Jo is a business mentor and she's focused on helping people run businesses that support their mental health. Is that a fair way to put it? Yeah, definitely. Thanks. Pithy. Um, And I love how Jo talks about all of this. It's so rich and exciting to me as a topic, but also I love the lightness you bring to it in your Instagram. It could be in the hands of somebody else, a very heavy thing. But it feels so normal the way you talk about it, which is what we want, right? We want looking <laughs> after our mental health to be as normal as many other ways we look after our health. I'm very much looking forward to getting into this with you. Could you tell us a bit about who you are and how you got to be doing what you're doing? A bit about your background. Yeah, of course. Firstly, hi, thanks for hi. having me. So yeah, I started my working life working in communications so working in like PR agencies so I spent 11 years working in communications and like working agencies and running teams and blah 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 and then basically around 2017 to 2018 I had like two concurrent mental health crises I had like two breakdowns basically in 18 months and after the second breakdown obviously I didn't realize enough the first time around because it sent me into the second one so I was like signed off for three months I went back to work like trying to kind of phase myself back into work in a way that allowed me to kind of stay loosely sane and do my job at the same time and it just wasn't possible like I just couldn't keep myself as mentally healthy as I could while also doing my job and so kind of happily I got the opportunity to take redundancy which I was very pleased about and basically set up my business the next day which I wouldn't recommend if you're trying to look after your mental health but <laughs> probably not the best idea I've ever had but I, I realized basically in that period of, of trying to go back to work that lots of organizations and lots of people had the best intentions when it comes to mental health at work but no idea what it was like to struggle with your mental health at kind of any level or degree and try and work at the same time. And over the last two years, I still do work with kind of corporates and businesses, but I have found that the work I love to do the most is working with like humans rather than big businesses. So I do a lot of work one-to-one and in groups with people like us who work for themselves, run their own businesses and want to figure out how to run and structure their businesses in a way that doesn't make them crazy. Yeah, nice. (laughs) What do you think the main mistake, they'd probably be two separate answers, they might not be, but that like companies are making. And what do you think those mistakes that small business Mm. owners are making when it comes to supporting either 
team members or themselves with their mental health. One of the main mistakes that corporates make, and we carry this into our self-employed life, mm-hmm. is we value the wrong things about ourselves. So mm-hmm. corporate life teaches you that your time is the most valuable thing about yourself. Therefore, it teaches you to overwork. It teaches you to push through in inverted commas it teaches you to push yourself past the point at which it's sustainable and we carry that into our self-employed lives because we've been taught it by everything around us you know and the other kind of sort of principle or or thought-based thing that definitely corporate life instills in us but we're taught by everything around us is that hard work is noble and easy work is shameful and the early bird catches the worm nothing easy is worth having all of this shit we're taught that it's shameful to make things easy and that it's noble of us to push on through and try really hard and work all the hours and it doesn't have to be that way and I think like when you're thinking about, you know, if you own your own business and you work with people or you employ people, one of the things I would say is that you don't need to fix that person, the person who struggles with their mental health. They know what's best for them. And just asking and listening and allowing what they need is the best approach. And just being like really open about it. So I started working with someone last year, the phenomenal Ali. I love you, Ali. You know, I love you. Um, (laughs) And when we started working together, A, I didn't want to buy her time because that's not something that I believe in or something that I don't believe is right or or beneficial for anyone. I just said, these are things that I need someone to do who will be better at it than I am. But when we first started working together, we talked about, okay, so how do we work best? What do we hate? What sets our teeth on edge? Like what are our boundaries essentially around the way that we work together? And so we know that stuff from the very beginning and there's no kind of awkward conversations. Or conversations that so awkward they never happen. Well, exactly. Is she doing like VA work for you? I don't know what you'd call her. She's just bloody brilliant. But yeah, she does like loads of things that I find hard or am shit at. that she's really good at and stuff for me that like stops me from taking action yeah the stuff that she does helps me to get shiz done basically but yeah I guess maybe she's a VA I don't know an assistant yeah team member I always just say Ali who works with me yeah put her in a box she doesn't want to be in (laughs) (laughs) I love that nice so one of the reasons because we've been talking about you being on this podcast for a like ages (laughs) and one of the reasons that I originally I've got lots of other questions as well but I'm really intrigued to dive into this and you sort of just alluded to it when you were talking about Ali one of the reasons that I wanted to invite you on other than you genuinely being brilliant was that was that you ran a workshop a little while ago and I can't remember exactly what it was called but it was about the issues around exchanging time for money pricing and for your mental health pricing for your oh I wish I'd known that when I was doing <laughs> so without giving away all that juicy value that I know that you've got can you tell us a bit about what led you to offer that and why you feel like there is a connection between exchanging time for money and our mental health? Yes, I can. So I guess what led me to do that workshop was looking for someone to work with because I knew that I needed some help. Obviously, like I was terrified about spending money on the help but everyone always is. Ali is like the thing in my business that I will always prioritize. Like I would prioritize paying her over paying myself because I know that what she does for me 
is so important for me in the business. And I knew that I felt really uncomfortable about saying to someone, I'd like to buy 10 hours of your time, please. Mm. The more I thought about it, the more I talked to people about it, the more I realized actually this whole time for money thing is so frigging damaging Mm. not just to our mental health but to our earning capabilities to our lives it puts a massive ceiling on what we can earn but it also again perpetuates overwork if you need to earn x amount to pay your bills and whatnot and then because of the way you've priced yourself you need 60 hours worth of clients to do that but you actually only really want to work 40, you're always going to be feeling like you're on a hamster wheel. You're always going to have a cap on what you can earn. You're never going to be able to make the working in the business, the delivering, pay for the working on time and the not working time. So like my foundational belief about myself is that I'm a failure. Therefore, I use work to validate myself and prop up my confidence. And I have to be constantly aware of that because I know that that foundational belief can color my thoughts and actions and behaviors in my business. And so if you're someone like me who uses work to validate themselves, to prop up their confidence, you will tend to overwork anyway. And so that coupled with trading time for money creates this mess where you're always going to be working more than you want to be, should be more than you can afford to be for the life that you want to live or the stuff that you need to do. And you're always going to have a ceiling on your earnings. And it just doesn't seem sustainable. And it also, again, perpetuates this idea that your value is in your time. And I always use this like ridiculously terrible analogy. I mean, the first time I used this analogy, I think I was talking about it while I was in the kitchen and I used a sink, but let's, let's ignore that. And it's Potter. Really terrible analogy. <laughs> like mine are always like the worst. It's just what I can see. <laughs> Let's say I'm a Potter. The first pot I make is going to take me like, God knows, like 30 hours or something. And then as I get better, 10 years down the line, I can probably knock out a great pot in three hours. But if we take the maxim that your time is what is valuable about yourself, that wonky, shitty old pot that took me 30 hours to make is going to be worth more than the thing that now takes me three hours to make. That's a great analogy. That makes no sense. Yeah, exactly. Makes no sense. No one wants my shitty wonky pot. (laughs) (laughs) They really should want the three hour one. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it just does not make sense to me to trade time for money because I want you to be fast at it. Mm. I want you to be able to do it easy because it's hard for me. Again, easy work is shameful, hard work is noble. It reminds me, I used to work for a TV company and I know this is not just the case in like the media industry, it's in loads of industries. There's this culture of what time you're supposed to stay till. And you do this thing where it gets to like five and you've run out of stuff to do. And so you, at the time, we would like sneak on Facebook and you might go to the loo for quite a while. (laughs) And I do miss having a work husband. I might go and like hang out with my work husband. Have a chat with him. Yeah. And, then, and somebody sneaks off. Now that I'm a mum, I get this, but someone sneaks off often a mum, bit early. Yeah. yeah. A bit like side eyeing her. Yeah. <laughs> Think of all the Facebook you could be scrolling. <laughs> You're just waiting there, like waiting for this time that it's okay. Yeah. So you've got nothing done and you've got a load of stuff done beforehand. It's just, you can't start anything now because yeah. there's only however long or someone's left the office or whatever it is. Yeah. There's so much we carry into yeah. working for ourselves. I've never done that actually, trade a time for money in my business. 
this business mm. I often think I can imagine people being there like oh my god I've got like three more hours this week what am I gonna yeah, do yeah yeah exactly where am I gonna fit in those hours I'm just not going to sleep or eat or we yeah. the whole time for money thing is reinforced constantly when we are employed and just in life but you turn up at nine and if you get in at 9.05 you get a slightly shitty look or a shitty email if you keep turning up at 9.05 you have an hour for lunch but nobody ever takes their hour for lunch if you need to go and pick your kids up or take your cat to the vet or like have a smear test, you make up that time at the end of the week. Why? Just so I can sit there and fanny around on Facebook or make a cup of tea or you're not actually paying for my time. The time thing is to make you feel like you are paying for something so that you can see me and I'm in this building, which again, oh yeah, that just sends me off on a whole track of like, why do we have to be in the same room? It's ridiculous. It well, it'll be the so- industrial revolution. Yeah, it'll be so interesting post-COVID, won't it, to see yeah. what happens with that. Seeing that shift, I think it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be really interesting to see the difference in what counts yeah. our yeah. presence. Yeah. I made no secret of in that job. I And I got caught doing this. I would sometimes just be watching old Home and Aways on YouTube. Sure. And I was putting in the hours, but I wasn't doing the work. I also have a problem with productivity being the value. I think it depends on, you know, what you do. But if you work for yourself, particularly, I guess, if you're a service-based business, doing the doing isn't necessarily the valuable thing. It's almost if you're a coach or a mentor and you have like an hour session with someone, the value they get isn't just that hour. It's like the days later when they're like, oh my God, you know that thing that's really made me think of this. Or like, I went back and listened to that and it reminded me that I do know what I'm doing. And it's because it's intangible and we want to make something tangible, I think, that we think about the time thing but yeah the productivity trap like that's another thing that just keeps us chained to our desks when we it's need so much unraveling and unlearning though isn't it for a long time I would catch myself thinking well I need to rest in order to be productive mm. there was that constant I won't be able mm. to do that if I'm not rested so it's really important that I do the self-care bit because otherwise I won't be able to do the productive bit and I still struggle really honestly to go well what else is it though I can feel it but I can't quite say that I fully understand rest for the sake of resting I do like I love sitting in my bed and just watching Grey's Anatomy of course I do there's always that tinge of guilt only depends how long I've done it you're in bed for the day and this doesn't happen very much now and it's lovely and then it becomes not lovely suddenly (laughs) and you're like oh is this bad I smell myself (laughs) It's gone from like a lion to some kind of stinky nonsense <laughs> that I don't really think it's okay. But yeah, <laughs> so I'm okay with that. But for me, it's, I should go, I don't, should again, like I could go for a walk because that lets me feel better in my work. I find it very mm. difficult still to mm. quite be like, I go for a walk because that's what my body likes. That's how I choose to feel better. Yeah. What helps me feel good. Yeah. Not attaching it to my work. Yeah, I think it's really hard when at work or in any situation to be like, what do I actually want? Like, what do I actually want to do? I think of it as like the back of my head voice rather than the front of my head voice. Like the front of my head voice is like, Edinburgh catches the worm, you're a failure. Mm. I should want to do something productive basically. But the back (laughs) of my head voice is like what I actually want and what my body and my brain actually needs. And yeah, for me, it's like listening to the quieter voice at the back of my head, which is 
definitely louder now than it was a few years ago. I was working with a coach last year who would often ask, what do you need? I'm totally one for coming in and going, okay, I've got this and this and this and I want to do this and I don't know. And all very like high register, especially on a coaching thing. And I get clients doing that as well. I'll often imagine like throughout the thing, like we're bringing them back into their bodies as we go through yeah, the yeah, yeah. But she'd often just stop and she'd just be like, Ray, <laughs> I'm doing an impression of her. What do you need? And I was like, oh, oh. Yeah. Oh, you're asking me that question again. Yeah. I don't know. Does it make you go deeper into yourself rather than this loads of things, loads of input? Blah, like that side is so interesting the way mm. that that happens. Yeah, it's interesting. Anyone who's worked with me will know that I have this cake slash house that I still can't find a name for and apparently can't describe in a way that makes any sense. But it has different layers. <laughs> it has layers. And the foundation. You have a cake house? Is that a cake? I mean, I wish. Or a- Okay, that's a house. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. It's an image with layers in it. Oh, yeah. It's, another, it's a metaphor, an analogy. Exactly. Not good at naming things, apparently, or describing them. Let's call it a house. Underneath the bottom layer of the house is your basic needs. Yeah. And yes, our basic needs are to have a roof over our heads, food on the table, physical and psychological safety. But in order to get those things, we need to earn money. And so I feel like there is a fundamental layer of basic needs that relate to our mental health, any sort of health really, but to make sure that you earn the money that gives you those basic needs, the roof, the food, the safety, in a way that's sustainable and that doesn't make you insane and that doesn't perpetuate healthy ways of working and living that we've been taught by society and by corporate or employed life. And so those basic needs then become a like way of making decisions about what you offer, how you offer it, who you offer it to, how much of it you offer and how much you charge for it. Because if I have this exciting, shiny idea of a thing, is that going to allow me those basic needs? No. Okay. Can I adapt it so that it will allow me those basic needs? No. Okay. Well, that's not a thing that's going to allow me to live in a way that's sustainable. So my cake house (laughs) is built on a foundation of basic needs. It helps me to think about that when I'm making any in my business. And for me now, a lot of times I don't need to think about it consciously. I know intuitively, but it can be quite like a revelation when we're thinking about it in that way, if we haven't yeah. before. Yeah, absolutely. It's that difference, I think, between like, there's like a tension there between who am I and where am I going? Mm. And lots of coaches will get you to really think about where you want to end up, but they don't always. And I think some do, it totally depends, but they don't always get you to think about who you are and what you need as well. It's one of my issues with a lot of coaches and business mentors selling like a system, business mentors, really like, here's how to do it. If you follow my system, and I've heard so many of them say these exact words, if you do everything I say, it will work. Mm. But it doesn't take into it. It might not work for me because I don't like to work in the evening. So many different reasons that it might not, but it really doesn't account for mental health, but also any kind of neurological diversity, like chronic health issues, Mm. all different things that Mm. can crop up around that. This kind of balance to be found between where are you going, but also who are you and where are you now? You can't work out the whole journey. That's really annoying, but you can't, you won't know. But what's the next step to that place? Definitely. And I think for me, like the foundation of managing my mental health and I don't I don't really use the word recovery because like I just think it's a part of the way that I work that I need to manage rather than recover from. The foundation of that for me is like knowing myself, knowing the way that I think, 
knowing that my foundational belief about myself is that I'm a failure and knowing how that colors my thoughts and my behaviors so that I can choose different thoughts and choose different behaviors. And so I think it's exactly the same in your business. Yes, you can choose to aim to make 100K next year or 500K or a million pounds, whatever. But without knowing who you are, what you need, you don't know how you can do that in a way that's actually going to get you there or is actually going to allow you to continue to do that for five, 10 years down the line. I'm working through this with a coach at the moment, but I don't really have like an end goal or an end vision for my business or even for my life. And so I find that hard in a way to make a plan for my business that is beyond kind of the immediate. But equally, I know that like this big grand shiny vision doesn't motivate me. What motivates me is the like, I want to be able to sit in my garden with a cup of tea in the morning. We've just moved to Edinburgh. I love going for a walk over Cotton Hill every morning. It's the small things in inverted commas that motivate me. And that's a really important point because that to me is where you're going. So if you already know, I want time to hang out in my garden. I want time to go for walks. I don't want to be working in the evening, which you mentioned. To me, those are all parts of this is where I'm going. Sometimes when we don't get clear, like that to me is is an amazing vision of what you want. Mm. It could be a quiet life in a cottage or just with your family living somewhere where you don't do a load of work. Whereas sometimes people don't get clear on even that. And then they're like, oh, now I'm going to have to do this and this and this and this. So they might think of, for instance, I really want the sort of life you're describing, but I only want to do one-to-ones with people. I also want to earn, I don't know, let's pick a number, 10K a month. And actually that might be, those two things might not work together. Yeah. Because they haven't actually fleshed out the life they want, where they're going and looked at their business model and how that's going to work to get Mm. there. And it doesn't actually honor either who they are now or what they need could be immediately, or it could be in the future. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's interesting. Like the whole, it feels like the end goal, the vision needs to be bigger and shinier than going for a walk and small things like that. Small again, inverted commas. And so you feel like you're kind of doing it wrong or that you haven't done it right, but actually what's right for me is not right for you necessarily or for anyone. No. And also for so many people, they won't even be listening to this going, oh my God, I'd love a life like that. I just feel like that's yeah. not possible. Yeah. And it does feel like it might not be big in terms of spangly and full of mansions and all of that sort of stuff or designer bags or whatever it is, but it is in terms of what feels possible to a lot of us. Mm, yeah. It's actually quite huge in terms yeah. of what feels possible, I would say. Yeah. So you talk a lot about boundaries in your work. How can a lack of boundaries impact our ability to make money? I think a lack of boundaries leaves you with no energy, no time. It leaves you out of control of your business and your life. Mm. So for example, say you do one-to-one work with clients and some clients like to keep in touch with you via Instagram DMs and some clients like to keep in touch with you via text and some clients like to keep in touch with you via email and some of them use Voxer and some of them use WhatsApp. That is a lot of mental energy in a lot of different places Mm. that probably is taking up the time and the mental capacity of actually working with three other clients just to keep up with 
the sort of contact that you want to be having with your clients. I know this is a tiny thing, but if you said to all those clients, the way that I keep in touch with my clients between sessions is on Voxer. You can message me there whenever you want. I check in at these times or these Mm. points in the week so you can expect to hear back from me then. That massively reduces the time that you have to put into it, the energy that you have to put into it. And therefore, if you wanted to, would free up your time, energy, brain space, creativity, capacity to bring in another income stream or work with more clients or create a new thing. So I think basically not having boundaries at a practical level means that our like time, energy, headspace is just all over the shop. But also at a kind of principles level, it perpetuates and keeps alive the thought that we have to do what's right for others rather than ourselves. Yes. Like the Glennon Doyle thing that that she says that the epitome of womanhood is to be selfless. Mm. We're supposed to be kind, pliant, small, helpful, selfless. Just think of others. But if you do that in your business, then you're not honoring your basic needs and it's just not sustainable because you'll be frigging knackered yeah. and you will struggle to make the money that you want to do because you won't be running your business in the way that you need to, to keep your energy up. We think that we can't possibly put boundaries in place because it will piss people off or it will mean compromise for other people. Mm. But my boundary of not working at the evenings and weekends means that probably people who are like side hustling won't, be able to work with me because many might want to have calls at the evenings or the weekends but I know that if I do that 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 will trigger my overwork tendencies that will make me knackered and exhausted and I won't be able to do anything and that will leave my mental health being in a really bad place yes it probably does mean that I'm not right for some people but that's okay because I'm right I don't work in the evenings and honestly people just don't get the best of me I mean I do take calls in bed regularly but you know (laughs) um, video calls as well but yeah I'm in my pajamas at six yeah me too people often comment that I'm always in dresses in the day but can I just say I'm going to state this on the podcast now I'm in a dress from about nine o'clock till about half three four and then I'm bra off this fringe is gone because <laughs> it becomes quite oppressive after a while and I'm in like some kind of leopard print loungewear generally beautiful so <laughs> beautiful. what a vision I wear the dresses because it feels like dressing for the day and I'm often on video and stuff but it's a very short window of my life <laughs> that I'm dressed this way it's often what I take photos of it. Um, so there's that feeling of if we put in those boundaries we are going to be able to have more time to like work on our businesses like you said earlier but also I guess there's space for boundaries around what we will and will not tolerate in terms of pricing for example or what our time is worth things like Mm -hmm. that I'm launching this boundary thing at the moment called boundary school and so I'm talking about boundaries loads and I had an instance this week where I really had to set a boundary and it felt hard and someone approached me about speaking at an online thing and there was no mention of fee it was for international women's day mm. and so God. i know i'm yet to hear back it might be okay. that they always are thinking about a fee the money was going to charity and i felt really uncomfortable about it because i don't agree with working for free and also i don't like it when people approach you about a thing and don't tell you about the fee up front because then yeah. if i ask about the fee i get a fee but if you don't ask about the fee then you don't get a fee and that is even worse than no one getting a fee (laughs) i did an instagram post about this a week or two ago but it plays on like 
our own insecurities around money, our own insecurities about boundaries as well. And what you were saying about this idea that women give and give and give, and that that's our currency, essentially. Mm -hmm. And it just puts you in a really awkward position. It's another reason working on this stuff is so important. But if you haven't done the work that you feel like you're able to ask, you're doubly disadvantaged potentially in in the situation. Yeah. I said to this person in a really nice way, something that I really believe in is women not working for free because men don't. And the more that we work for free, the more it perpetuates women's labour being undervalued. And that felt hard, but I felt right. As someone who like has worked on my boundaries, happily sets them without thinking about them, teaches other people about how to set boundaries. Like, yeah, that was one I had to really think about and almost like steal myself to set. But if I hadn't have done that, and I'd agreed to the event, I would have felt resentful about being part of it. And something would have always felt off. Yes. I don't want to live like that. I don't want to work yeah. like that. I work for myself. I shouldn't have to feel crappy about working for myself. Yeah, Put absolutely. That me now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. One more question. Can you give us like just a couple of tips on figuring out boundaries with this stuff? Like how do we actually find things that work for us, things that will protect our mental health mm-hmm. within our businesses? So first of all, I would say think about your boundaries as the way to protect and give yourself your basic needs. Say you have a chronic illness and you can only really be sat at your desk for like four hours a day. That's your Mm. basic needs to have four hours a day of working time. That means that your time is really precious. And something you said, Ray, you came into my group program and talked about making money. And you said this, that if your time is limited because of your mental health because of your physical health because you have kids because you have caring responsibilities your time is more precious because it's in short supply and so you have to put some boundaries around that to allow yourself to only work those four hours Mm -hmm. and those boundaries might be I only work with two clients at a time I only take client calls on these days at these times I keep in touch through this mechanism and I go in there between these hours so try and identify what your basic needs are and Mm -hmm. those are the things that help to keep you healthy and sane and happy and then your boundaries are there to protect and give yourself those basic needs but a general rule of thumb is if something feels icky crappy makes you angry makes you hurt makes you feel upset makes you feel resentful that's a boundary that's off or is being crossed yeah so if you run a product-based business and you find that people are always dming you to ask you where their order is or to place an order and you're like this is so annoying (laughs) then you need boundary around that drum yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you need to set up a quick reply on Instagram that goes straight back to that person that says all order inquiries and updates can be found on my website here I can't yeah. do this over DM think about the different areas of your business and think about what makes you feel a bit icky there and I think yeah. the, the sort of three areas to think about are boundaries with yourself boundaries with your clients and your customers or the people in your space online and boundaries with the interweb mm. like For me, those are like the three sort of areas that cause us problems. Nice. Finish this sentence. Money is... Bloody great. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Money is freedom. Nice. Nice. Favourite book you've read recently? And this can be like anything. There's no... It doesn't have to be a business book. Honestly, the book that I evangelise about is Untamed by Glennon Doyle. It's literally changed my life. She's so brilliant. He I'm just God. obsessed with the comedy show that is her and Abby. Yeah. Like, like the toothbrush thing. Have you seen what Glennon does? I feel like you're, you're going to be in the Abby camp of toothbrushes. I am. 
Like, right? Like, I haven't seen the toothbrush thing. What's oh my god! So Glennon Doyle, <laughs> I love this so much. I don't know what how she even does this. Her toothbrush is like caked in toothpaste. Oh no! Like a no, volcano. Let's no, 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 not talk about that anymore. You need and to Abby, clean the toothbrush, people. <laughs> exactly right. Abby just comes over and she's like, and it's her face. I love it so. She's like, why? What? You need to go through oh. and find those videos. If I, I will oh, try and find one and send it I to you because it, they make me laugh so much. Okay. <laughs> Another sentence to finish. The impact of women making money is all the things mm. like the impact of women making money is happy healthy empowered women making their lives better having a lovely time yeah yeah you know that thing that goes on the internet a lot that like hurt people hurt people and heal people I often just think of it in a different sense of like women making money is like in the same way that when we're not healed and all of that sort of stuff, we leak that. But women making money, all those things you just said, that then leaks on people as well. Yes. Just being healthy and um, having the opportunity for that, which is is really all money's doing. It's just fuel for like yes. human experience. It's not the goal. It's just behind. Another goddess Glennon thing is that like, we're told this lie that doing what's right for us is bad for others. And that is utter bullshit designed mm. to keep women small, pliant, kind, selfless. Doing what's right for us gives permission and inspiration to everyone who sees us doing it, that they can do the same. Yeah. And it's like this never ending ripple effect. So yeah. like by me setting boundaries, people see that I do that and think that's a thing that I can do. They do it. More people see them do it. They do it. Like it just can create a better better world slight change of pace if you could eat one thing let's say one dish for the rest of your oh. life what would it be a house cake <laughs> oh. <laughs> that is a big question i mean the first thing that comes to mind is macaroni cheese oh good one yeah maybe with like really good baked ham in there you know i was like, gonna say are you bacon or no bacon in your macaroni oh bacon yeah, okay bacon yeah but then roast potatoes you know what, Maybe I have a side dish. Side dish of roast potatoes and macaroni and cheese. That's me. <laughs> That's cool. amazing. What a combo. We've got a recipe book and there's like a whole section for leftover roast potatoes. And when me and my husband looked at it, we were like, well, where, when does that happen? <laughs> where do they when come from? When does that ever happen that there were leftover roast potatoes? We, Our eight-year-old just takes them, like once they're done, he just takes the bowl. And just yeah, yeah, sure. that and broccoli. He's yeah. obsessed with broccoli, that child. Okay, so... Best bit of money or just general business advice you've ever received? Oh, I think it is what would make this easier. Mm. That was a thing from Ruth Poundwhite. Mm. Like, what would make this easier? What would make this more fun? Yeah. Do that thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. Cool. Well, thank you, Joe. Yay. This was fun. It's been so nice to chat to you. And thank you so much for coming on. Could you let people know where they can find you? You can find me at Mad and Sad Club on the gram or madandsadclub.co.uk, but you know, mainly I'm on the gram. I'm sure I will run Boundary School again, but there are a bunch of different ways that you can work with me if you'd like to. Like one-to-one -one group programs, different classes and things. But yeah, come and come and chat over on the gram. Tag me in your boundary setting things. <laughs> I love that. Nice. Cool. Thank you so much. Just really, really loved chatting to you. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Money Making Women. 
Please do go and leave us a review. They have a huge impact on getting podcasts like mine heard. I also wanted to let you know where you can find me. So if you want to find more of what I do, you can find me in my Facebook group, Money Making Women, or you can find me on Instagram. I'm Ray underscore Dodd. I really want to say a special thank you to Emily Crosby, who edits these for me, and I will see you for our next episode. Thank you.